Welcome to Verging on Greatness, a podcast about films that verge on greatness, but mostly just wallow in mediocrity, with your hosts, Mike Porkfeld and Craig Cerventi. All right. Hello. Hello, audience. Good evening. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good middle of the night. Welcome to a podcast called Verging on Greatness. This is a podcast where me, Mike, and my friend Craig. Hi, Craig. Hello. We talk about movies that are not quite where they should be. They are. They got a great idea. They got great, a lot of greatness, greatness all around. But there is something that is missing. Something that doesn't quite get them across the line. And we're trying to figure out what that is. What would you change to make this movie? Sometimes, sometimes they're missing a plot, Mike. That's what they're missing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sometimes um, they're missing. Sometimes they're missing camera work and and decent audio foley and audio. So yeah, occasionally, co- occasionally competent actors. Although we haven't done much, we haven't done much that's got had really incompetent actors. Usually the actors no, have been no, pretty I good. Think, I think we should we should definitely go out looking for a film that like what would make this movie better is better actors. We should look for something performance. <laughs> my um my my background is in writing, so I normally I normally try and attack the script. Um, Craig's Craig's Craig has a lot of uh, movie history knowledge so he normally he, he does a lot of he offers a lot in that sort of area um, in the production yes. um, if we if we sound a little bit weird I'm I'm recording in my bedroom because I got I got guests around the house and I'm also I'm going handheld mic so Mike is Mike is holding the mic Mike's gonna try not to drop the mic because I'm in my bedroom I don't have anywhere to rest the mic on yeah don't drop the um, mic. anyway yeah. that's all that's all yeah. all super interesting um, your probably wondering what movie we're going to do so craig's already alluded to it. it's a movie without a plot um and it's oh so we're doing a it's halloween we're gonna uh, halloween we're gonna try and release this uh, around halloween and so we're doing a halloween double feature halloween horror double feature halloween uh, horror do, feature no I don't, I don't watch a lot of horror movies so i've taken taken a bit of advice from craig I've, I've suggested so craig suggested one and i've suggested one i'm feeling a bit bad about the one that i suggested you should guess which is which so the movies we're going to do we're going to do double feature we're going to do the Blair Witch Project and we're going to do the Blob Blob from Blob from 89 the recent Blob Blob from 89 yeah yeah, the most recent not the old Blob and not Steve McQueen Blob and the Blair Witch Project from 99 um that's right so Blair Witch is Blair Witch is from me um so I (laughs) (laughs) so and and we're going to do that one first because um Blair Witch because we like punishment is what, what Mike's trying to say is. we've both been very we, naughty we do and you have we need the, to be punished yes you have the vegetable have the vegetables first and then you get your treat at the end yes and then we can um, get the treat at the end yes Blair Witch so I mean I look I Blair Witch Project caused a huge sensation when it came out in 99 it really revitalized the genre and it was I mean there, there were a few movies that came out around this year that that really change things up and think of the matrix as well and what matrix did for sci-fi you think about what blair witch yeah. blair witch did for horror um the phantom and, menace came out in 99 hey you think what that did for star wars <laughs> <laughs> let's not let's not think about what it did for star wars um uh so, yeah and it, it it really so horror in the 90s was i feel was really dominated by scream Craig, you're probably you're probably you can probably fill in more of the edges there. My horror genre knowledge is pretty limited, but um, Scream was pretty big in the '90s um, with that's kind of was. self aware, self aware, and also really polished horror. It was very polished. It was really yeah. it was really tight, and so the Blair Witch really brought back that 
idea of horror as being the the, oh yeah the, 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 bud, the budding the budding filmmakers genre of choice if you had no well, money well it's definitely the film that punched above its weight right so yeah like the example you gave was scream that that's west craven very accomplished director really understands how to make a horror film arguably he invented the the monster the modern monster horror film mm. with the nightmare on elm street series uh, so if that if scream is the good example of or a polished example of a 90s horror film then Blair Witch is the poor country cousin um, that still knows how to make some pretty powerful moonshine. Uh, yeah. And Blair Witch would, would epitomize that. I think they made it for, for tens of thousands of dollars. Um, I think the marketing cost more than the film itself. Yeah. Um, and it made huge bank. It, yeah. it, I think it held a Guinness record for most profitable movie. Oh, um, really? Like as based, proportional to the proportional, proportional to, the to the budget. Yeah. I, I, I think that's probably probably not still true to this day but mm. it, it it made a lot of money and you mentioned it, you it mentioned the marketing well. the, the marketing was the marketing was really on point before we get into the movie itself the the marketing was absolutely it hit all of the um hit all of the areas that it needed to in terms of bang for the buck and in terms of selling a horror movie with with the pr and creating the buzz and you know stories in the news people having to leave the theater because they're they're so they're so disturbed they're so upset talk a lot of talk about the you know the shaky camera and and, and that's they, right they created they created the real buzz and and it was and it was one of these things where it was it was buzz because of how little information they gave away i think mm. and they did and they certainly they really sold that idea that like this was a genuine thing yeah that there that's was right. a blair witch and there were these three kids that went missing um, so much so that I think as a result of this film, uh, people were trying to call up and give information about, you know, sightings of these three oh, people shit, that really? apparently had gone missing. Yeah, I, I remember all this nonsense. I don't know how much of that is true or how much that in, in and of itself was marketing yeah, that, hype. That but could be, that, yeah, that could all that, be planted kind of stuff that just very, very much. It was very, the, very much. Yep. Thousand yeah. percent. So it was definitely, definitely. Uh, uh, definitely revolutionary in terms of like how to approach this kind of low budget filmmaking and getting it in everyone's faces and and arguably i remember the 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 freaking marketing about this movie more than i remember the movie itself yeah and they and they tied it very well that that all folded out of the um the the premise which is that it's it's found footage it's it's three people the the subjects of the movie the characters in the movie are the filmmakers that's right so that that the the, the marketing all, all falls out of that and and all on on creating that sense that this is um this could this could be real it's it's it, it's predicated on that which you you couldn't do yeah you know, i mean this is this is 20 years ago now you couldn't do this in the in the age of the internet it would be kind of nonsensical but it, we were just on the on the cusp of that not that the internet wasn't around in 1999 but um you could. certainly not not as ubiquitous as it is today um like yeah. i said like i remember i was definitely active on like movie movie film boards and and websites at the time uh ain't it cool news um this this was right. a big this was a big area where you know they sold this as an idea uh, and there were definitely like forums where you were posting about blair which i definitely remember reading way too much about this online and getting really excited about it coming up like this was going to be this was going to be the reinvention of cinema and i was going to go to it and in fact i went to a midnight really screening of oh, it on shit. green street yeah yeah i went to it at midnight 
um, and came away from it just going, well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> There's 12 bucks I ain't getting back. But <laughs> yeah, so I was responsible for some of this international gross because I paid cinema money to see this. So, so you, didn't, you didn't like it at all? You just didn't, didn't connect with it? Uh, look, I appreciate the film for what it does. I mean, the whole found footage genre um, is pretty short up until this point. There, there's maybe a, a dozen, maybe 10 films of note that come out before this, which are found footage films. The ones that spring to mind are Cannibal Holocaust, if you've seen that. Um, that's a zombie, uh, it's a body horror thing from italy Mm. um with cannibals in south america i think i haven't actually seen it um and then there's like a a ufo abduction film um from like 80 from the late 80s and then i I think there's the there's the peter jackson one the forgotten silver yeah that's technically found footage i suppose um but yeah this is the film that that started or popularized the found footage genre that you um that you see with stuff like um, paranormal activity and and all of the 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 multitude of films that have come out since uh, record is the other one that comes to my mind um, uh, and Diary of the Dead George A Romero yeah because um, he was flogging that he was flogging that horse and, or even stuff like Project X um, which is the the party one with the the kids that have the party and it goes wild um, okay. all of those films all all basically owe this film a debt of gratitude so I, yeah. from that point of view from cinema history point of view like yeah sure i'll give this i'll give this film um the time of day do i enjoy the movie absolutely not and do i hate you a little bit for making me watch it again <laughs> yes yes i do <laughs> you're dead to me <laughs> it's, it's unsettling though like it does it does its job in in that sense right uh, yeah i'll grant you that watching it again the the same the same thing i said about it when i saw it originally in 99 which was the the final five minutes of this movie are good like the Mm. the once they get to the house spoilers everyone once they get to the house and they've set up that whole you know makes one person face into one corner and then the other into the other um once they they set that up you know that's check off smoking gun and then they pay it out right at the very end like I thought that was effective. Yeah. Um, but yeah, getting there is hard work. Um, it's just a lot of shouting, um, a lot of screaming, um, a lot of clearly improvised dialogue. Uh, they, they clearly weren't working from a script. Um, there's mm. a couple of monologues um, that, that work out uh, that Heather, uh, you were talking about this pre-podcast with me. The Heather, you really enjoyed the, the Heather monologue where she's apologizing. Yeah, I, well, so let's talk about the characters and what happens so there's three there's, sure. there's three characters in this so there's heather who is the director and then there is josh who is cameraman and and michael Mike, your namesake michael, this is why you picked this who seems to <laughs> a character st- character starting with the name mike and that was that's all you needed to get on board with this film I, wasn't it yeah admit it th- admit it and i think he's te- i think he's technically there this, this is gonna be the spin-off podcast where we do only movies that are about characters called mike <laughs> hey i'm down we should do that <laughs> that's actually oh man no let's not go off on that tangent um, um so mike i think he's ostensibly the sound guy but they all wind up kind of doing everything because there's there's you know there's a three-person movie crew um and so 
Mike, Heather knows Josh, and Josh is the Josh has all the equipment. But then Mike, they don't. Mike, they only meet the morning where they leave. So he's kind of the outsider. So you have a bit of a a bit of a triangle where you have Heather who is the leader, and then you have the um, Josh who is aligned with her, and then Mike who is a bit of an outsider. And so the the arcs that they go on, um, Mike is the one who loses his shit earliest and mm. then you think well okay so he's he's the outsider he's the one that they was he's the he was the unknown figure so, so but then he he play he turns around his arc turns changes and he becomes the most stable as heather falls mm. apart if you were kind of plotting them on a graph um heather's kind of together at the start but then she she, she, she struggles to hold it together she, as the leader she is trying as and, and the one who owns the project she's she's trying to keep it under control but she's failing and then and then her arc ends with that monologue at the end where she's uh, uh, where she's got the uh the camera right up an extreme close-up right up on her eye um and it's and that that image became became a pretty strong part of the marketing as well um probably the most probably probably the best example of, of acting in the film yes um, that that close-up is is hard to watch, and I mean Heather, the the actress. I think the character name and the actress names are the same. I think it is. Yes. Their names are Heather, Josh, and Michael. Yes. Um, and and she's definitely she's definitely acting her heart out there, and she's doing a good job. I wonder, um, I, but I mean, she's very unattractive in doing that. Like, you you're looking right up her nose on that camera yeah. angle, and and she's got tears and snot coming out of her face. Um, and yeah, I, I think that was the one of the one of the scary movies mocked that yeah the best where there's the snot coming out of her nose and she keeps st- sucking it back up or there's a big dro- drooping <laughs> lurky from her nose um uh, and it just kind of yo-yos around on her nose um yeah unfortunately I wonder if, it's just props to her a very unflattering shot i wonder so. if that um i wonder if that speech is is perhaps potentially the most scripted dialogue in the whole movie oh, because suspect. it's quite yeah i suspect so yeah it, it, it runs yeah, yeah, yeah. it runs together quite a lot more so than any of the well I, I say dialogue obviously it's a monologue so that was that might have been more scripted than perhaps any of the interactions which you get the sense they're all mostly improvised um so those yeah. so that's so that's your characters and then your third so your third character josh um he doesn't have much of an arc at all spoiler alert he disappears about halfway through the oh no it's towards it's about it's really it's about that's really a second that's really a second turning yeah. point when he disappears because yeah. the movie really changes up the movie changes up a gear when he disappears so he's he's gone he's absent for pretty much the final act of the movie his his disappearance swings you into that to, to the degree that the story has turning points or acts because really it's 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 pretty much one note um but so so josh doesn't have a mm. lot of josh josh doesn't develop in particular so yeah effective things so we've kind of covered them i think i think heather's 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 monologue at the end uh, captures as much character as you get at any point in the movie where she is accepting that she that this was her fault and that she thought she could she, she thought she was up to this 
up to leading this project, leading this expedition, and she was wrong. She was in she yep. she was in over her head as one of the one of the fishermen that she interviews. They they do a bunch of vox pops at the start and they interview people in the area to find ask about the Blair Witch and one guy you know prophetically says you guys are getting in i forget the exact words he tells them they're getting it over their heads and they should they should leave it alone um yeah, and so she right. you know she she calls back to that at the end and she says I, I i shouldn't have i shouldn't have done this i was in over my head this was a mistake and it's my fault and i'm and now i'm sorry and it's um yeah and that's pretty it's that carries that carries a, a reasonable amount of weight i think um yeah and then, and then that's, a, that they do a good job ends. of setting them up to fail from the get go because there's a bunch of those interviews and um, there's a bunch of those questions where they're like, oh, "Are you religious?" and and they go, "Yes," and she go, and she's being rather superior. Mm. Um, and so there is a little bit of that hubris, you know, setting them up for the fall, pride for the fall. Like they do a good job of selling that at the beginning. Yeah, um, and and just that they're they're actually pretty crap documentarians. Like they don't they don't res- <laughs> they don't have any respect for their any respect for their subjects at all. They're, no, they are very yeah. They've come right. in with a preconceived notion. So and, and then they get slapped in the face for it, you know. Even even nature nature turns around and gives them one. Even to the even to the point where they're they're making fun of them after they as they you know in the car ride uh, or even as they walk away from mm. the interviews, the oh man, what a loony, what a crazy bitch. Um. Uh, yeah. So the so the story is story of itself. Uh, I was interested to go back to this because I haven't seen this since '99. It's not the sort of movie you just go back to and put on just for fun. Um, like at a party. I've seen it like twice at a party. <laughs> once, once at the cinema, and once the other night. And I was I was interested to go back and see if there's see if there's kind of behind the behind the facade behind the the style the forgotten the found footage style if there was more to the story than than met the eye. And I wouldn't say there is. Um, no, it's it's it pretty much just it's pr- pretty much just goes on an upwards trajectory in terms of tension uh it doesn't have a lot yeah. of uh Nuance. a lot there's no it doesn't have a well it, does, it, does, it doesn't there's no kind of changes in there's not a lot of changes in pace or or the or in the dynamics of the characters uh, nope. beyond one note. beyond what we've what we've really talked about so mm. that was yeah that was that was kind of interesting uh what does happen is that essentially they um the the threat against them escalates and then so you have it's it's really a movie that just goes from it's it's got there are scenes during the day where it is the the characters psychological battles against themselves and against each other and then the scenes in the night when they are being terrorized um by by increasingly creepy where the threat becomes you know um distant goes from being distant and improbable to up close and very personal so and this takes about i I counted the number of nights it's actually it's the seventh night that they um that they wind up in the house so this 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 loops happens over a week it it loops quite a few times it's only meant to be a it's only meant to be a a three night shoot i think and they're only meant to be one night camping in the woods Mm. because they have one night in a in a motel their first night is in a first night is in a motel um, and it winds up, so it winds, they wind up spending seven nights in the woods. So the the day and the night, you know, they they get they get closer and closer together. So the first the first three nights take place, first three to four nights take place over the first um, 
you know, 50 minutes or so of the movie and then the last the last couple swing through really quick and the, la- the last night lasts the longest because it's the it builds the most tension as it gets to the climax in the house mm. um but essentially that essentially that's the that's the the story is, is is the structure of the story is just the building of the pace and the shorter days shorter time spent in the day and more time spent in the night being terrorized which is kind of kind of good because i mean if you're thinking about it like they're trying to sell it as real um that they're filming less during the day as things have fallen apart and they're getting more and more stressed out about it i guess so the filming of the actual documentary becomes less important to them than than just trying to find their way out of the woods yeah i guess that if you're going for realism I suppose. that makes so. sense and they, they they do they they make mention of some of the practicalities like like what's the realistic battery life of a of, yeah of, of a, they make a, a joke camera. about they've got enough batteries to power a small third world country yeah so, yeah so they yeah, they, they pay they, they set that off they, they just they let you know oh yeah we're yep. we're aware that 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 it takes a lot and a lot of battery power to run a camera for this long and so we've accounted for that yep. and there's there's one or two other things yep. where they kind of address the oh it's it's heather's character they address the fact why why are you still filming after six days they they make oh they make, yeah they have a big thing they about make that how a, it's not real they make that yeah. a point of um they make that a character point uh, a, char- yeah. a character character because oh, i guess they're, they're anticipating is. the audience going why is anyone still filming yes yeah, exactly the answer is yeah, why this makes it feel less real. why they're still carrying around these why they're still carrying around these cameras wouldn't you drop that mm. the first the first first thing is you got tired you're like okay let's let's ditch all this kit this is slowing. This is slow, <laughs> we'll come back slowing us down immensely. So they 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 weave in an explanation for that, and that's that's really all they need to do in terms of um, addressing the the whys and wherefores of of the the way that the movie comes together. Sure. There's one point where they're like, um, "We can't find our way out of the woods," and I could hear over the audio a truck driving past, and um, so they clearly weren't far from the main road when they were filming it. And I was like, "Just, just go to wherever that truck was, buddy. There's a main road. <laughs> Don't have to find your way back. Just truck over there. Go there. I mean, it could have been a low flying plane, but either way, it's like, well, civilizations, civilizations, either in that direction that the plane is going, or it's in the direction it's come from. So, just go that way." But, oh and they make a point about um they make a point about going how you can't it's pretty hard to get lost in america these days yeah they say not, that a couple of like times was. they say that a couple of times um and then and then it transpires that they've been going in circles because either they're shit at orienteering or the blair witch has made it impossible to escape yeah i don't know hard to tell what they don't do is do highs and lows they don't have kind of they don't have any they never get any wins they never get anything where nope. nothing good no nope, no, it's just a nothing good ever happens like you know just catching a catch i don't know catching a deer or finding catching a, a break catching a break yeah, yeah find a find a tree with some berries on it or something oh so well, the they, only they, break they do get is he finds a pack of cigarettes at the bottom of his pack and they're like i found a pack of cigarettes it was right at the bottom and I, that's the only break they catch yeah. and i'm like yay cancer <laughs> get that one cancer <laughs> so yeah, yeah so i guess in a in a, in a story <laughs> in a story sense that's that's an obvious thing that that you might have done differently to uh give a bit more a bit more weight a bit more balance and a bit more sense of um for the for the audience that it's not quite so relentless although i guess relentless is kind of what they were going for and they've they're, they're kind enough to that's only an 81 minute movie so yeah they, they, really I, short i think they just, i think they probably it's possible that they they considered that and they just thought 
no, let's just let's just brutalize these these people, referring to both the characters and the audience, and it's it's going to be pretty short. It's going to be eighty minutes. Um, yeah, let's yeah. let's not they, let's they not made, give them a thing. They made a bunch of sequels. Um, there was a sequel in in two thousand called Shadow of the Blair Witch or Book of Shadows, um, Blair Witch Two. Um, I think another thing to note is you never see the Blair Witch like that is the monster is always hidden from you you never see it um, yeah that's right not even at the not even at the end they had no money to show you a yeah. witch they were just like well we just need to spend our money on what we can spend our money on camera gear yeah um, one of the things I, well, I was reading about this um, the, the budget for this film was astronomically low by modern standards by any standards it was like $60,000 um, and one of the cameras one of the handheld cameras they returned it to the store they bought it from to get a refund so they could, <laughs> um after filming so they could get a bit more out of their budget so like every every single dollar spent on this film is up on the screen and um uh they did i mean i said it earlier they did extraordinarily well out yeah. of this um it made a ton of money um i'm having a little bit of trouble seeing how much but it was it 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 made it was budgeted for sixty thousand. it made 1.5 million in its Mm. um in its opening day um and it went on to make um 248 million worldwide uh, during its original release that's not counting for uh, dvds or blu-rays later Mm. or tv rights this movie made a lot of money you know um and i don't know what i don't know what the actors were getting paid um but if they had any kind of um, cut in the net profits of this film, I'm sure they are not um, uh, living poorly today, assuming they have any ounce of money sense. Because yeah, they would have made good money out of this. So and I th- yeah, I th- well done for them. I feel like I feel like they're solid. I feel like they've got the got the casting for those casting for those three actors pretty good. Yeah, um, I think um, Josh Joshua Leonard and uh, Michael C. Williams. They actually went on to being a whole heap so i had a look on imdb and really? those guys are working to this day really? heather um yeah 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 heather is the one that that didn't didn't fare as well um she she did a bunch she's she's had some stuff she was in a tv show called uh taken not to be confused with the with the the taken movies yeah. um but yeah she's 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 worked relatively solidly um up until 2008 and then she uh, disappears and turns up again and go west um, well t- still to turn up and go west uh, she did some TV stuff but the other two guys um, they did they did reasonably well and they're working to this day um, Joshua Leonard and Michael C. Williams they did alright mm-hmm. and then the um, the directors and writers um, Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez I mean they're still making films mm-hmm. um, and they're doing alright for themselves as well so yeah, bully for everyone involved, I guess. Um, they uh, they all did very well out of this. They they did the best with the with the situation they had, and good for them. So I feel like uh, like if you're talking about if you're thinking about what would what would make this movie better, you've you've almost got you've almost got 
your answers to that in some of the some of the movies that have followed on from this obviously yeah, absolutely. This, this created such a stir such a buzz so every, every mm. man and his dog was trying to replicate it and thinking how could you make that but also make it a little bit better and i think that they yeah. are essentially doing the same thing they're taking a lot of taking a lot of what that has provided but just giving a bit more roundness to the characters giving them a bit more of an arc a bit more of a a reason reason to be there uh, gosh more of a more of a reason to be there um i'd say exactly what you said earlier um i think they need a few more wins i think they need some more levels um if you want to make this a, tr- a more accessible story i found this movie really hard to watch just it it, it hits 110 percent and it stays there it, it there's no, there's no variation to that theme all the way until the final five minutes which is when it starts to when 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 i felt it actually started to um pick up like i enjoy the final five minutes yeah. of this um what what else would i change um i think you need i think i think you need more than shaky cam um it, it lends itself to this style but at the same time um you know what what's just come to mind um district nine district nine is arguably um in the found footage genre so you have a lot of um yep. you have a lot of like captured by you know security camera or or that kind yep. of footage in there so but they also have more traditional filming you know stuff that's framed and shot nicely and um not everything makes you feel like you're on a roller coaster district nine is 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 the ultimate what well one of the ultimate evolutions of this film um i think that is is what you want when you're making a found footage film like that is the high watermark for for found footage films district nine have you seen district i had forgotten until you mentioned it how much i fucking love district nine it's district nine is fucking amazing so good so so good and um and everything that neil blomkamp is the guy um everything else he's done has been a, a, a derivative of district nine to a degree yeah. elysium or um chappie um and he's been he's been associated with an a, an aliens sequel that didn't get made which is just criminal he's been associated with a, a robocop remake which i'm i'm dying to see that get made but um uh, a sequel slash remake but um yeah i don't know this film it's tough i really appreciate it for what it did and how it did it and it really made do with what it had um the actors involved did the best they could under the situation i mean those guys were tormented during this film um, and some of the, some of them um there's that shot with them in the tent and there's something bashing on the outside of the tent uh they didn't know that was going to happen and the eduardo sanchez and um uh, Mayak, whatever his name is uh, they came up and started bashing on the outside of the tent daniel myrick yeah and um they didn't know that was happening so that reaction from him is genuine like you know what the fuck's that right. what's going on and yeah so they were genuinely terrorized There's a bit of alfred hitchcock um, kind of style yeah, a little bit of alfred hitchcock yeah 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 <laughs> stand here while i throw birds at you and again it's 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 interesting to look back you mentioned you mentioned district nine and and it, how it has that yeah it, it has that actual like cinematic footage but also it has a lot of a lot of found footage a lot of kind of um like interview style footage captured from reali- interview style <clears throat> yeah yeah Which reality is, tv and again thinking back to 1999 that was the year that from memory that's the year that the office the uk office uh oh yes broke really big uh, which was um, one of the first things I don't know mockumentary had been done before then but it got really big on the back of that 
that mockumentary um, style where it was presented as pre- presented as footage that was being made for a documentary, and the whole thing was whole thing was done in that way. So it's funny to you look you look back at ninety nine, and so much of what we watch now has that influence of reality TV, something like Modern Family, um, mm. and, the, and they don't even bother they don't even bother pretending like it's a like it's a documentary anymore. It's just footage. Oh, these people are just talking. These characters are just talking to the camera now. And that's, talking to the camera, breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, ball. and that's yeah. that's just oh. that's just happening. That's what they do. It's that's the equivalent of voiceover narration. Now you can actually do it and yeah. just have them talking to the camera. But that wasn't that wasn't a thing in nineteen ninety nine. No, I, I think um, I think that reality TV explosion, like MTV stuff, was happening at that time. Like MTV, the real world was happening around. Yep. Then. Oh, and you had a uh, reality bites um, that that had a uh, a real world. Uh, reality television angle to it as well if you recall if you've seen that. yeah but it's it's it's, it's the the merging of that and the adoption of that style into fiction yeah, into mainstream cinema yeah. yeah yeah i'd agree yeah and it's certainly and as we've said already like uh leading up until this point there's uh, i'm looking at the article on wiki right now there's one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve films that that wiki has decided are are uh, found footage films um and in blair witch hits in 99 um there was a, a film called uh, the last broadcast which was horror mystery which came out the year before um which i haven't seen an alien abduction incident in lake county that's that's the year before that's 98 mm. yeah and in 99 and then after that it's just found footage films for africa yeah. there's so many yeah yeah this film really popularized it and just went go for gold so yeah it's I think they did well. I think it's hard to, it, it's hard so to we, fault its place in cinema. Are we gonna are we gonna are we gonna make a call make a call on it, or should we should we do the do the calls at the end? The if it's oh, if it's verging or wallowing. Well, we can make it at the at the end. I, at the moment, I'm verging on like a tie, but we'll see how I feel after talking about another yeah, movie. Yeah, let's let's talk about yeah. the other. Did I did I say what other movie? Yeah, I did. We're, we're doing the the, yeah, we the did. Blob. Top of the hour. The Blob. 1998's The Blob. Is it 88? I had 89. 88, yeah. yeah. Released in 88. And it's a remake of a remake of a movie from 60s, did you say? I think it's the late 60s, S- early 70s. Steve, um, Steve McQueen. Could be even earlier. Steve McQueen Steve job. McQueen. It must have been, it must have, it might have, must have been quite, quite early because, um, 58, there you go. Gosh, 58, really okay, old. that's pretty old. Uh, 58. Um, cause I think Steve McQueen was a small part of that film. Um, but then he became a big star. And then they made him front and center of the of the marketing. Oh, group. right. Like starring Steve McQueen. Right. I don't actually think he's in it very much, but uh, yeah, he's famous for being. Like, yeah. plays the. So yeah, plays 1990, the, 1998's, uh the Blob. Yeah. Um, and so the Blob. Um, I mean, uh, you, you know everything about you need to know about the story from the title. The Blob is, is, <laughs> is about a blob that kills people. About a, a monster called the Blob, <laughs> the mon- which is shaped like a blob mostly blob <laughs> kind of blobish in, in blobish. features <laughs> yep <laughs> if you <laughs> um which gets gets more red as the film goes on it's as, as it's ingested more people so yeah it, it's pretty cool <laughs> so the blob blob lands in a small town it's a um a, like a, a, a mountain town but it's the summer so it's the quiet season there's no one there's no one here everybody's kind of anticipating the ski season starting so people can come and things pick up and you get a sense that it's this town is struggling a little bit um well they, they point out that they haven't had um a, a good season in a while so 
climate change was the thing That's, even in the yeah 80s, i wondered people. if they were gonna i wondered if they were gonna if climate change was 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 gonna be used as part of the part of the thing in 89 it's yeah it's it's where you instantly go to now oh geez it's hot yeah. been hotter here the last few seasons and that kind of yeah, sh- yeah. shrug seasons has been like, sunk uh, sucking for a while kind of shrug and yeah climate change in, people in 1988 like before could be anything <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um yeah so it, it, they establish a small mountain town things are not doing so great they introduce um some football players very early yeah, on. Yeah, you, you cast. Um, you, you have your, your standard cast of characters. You got your football jock, your your cheerleader babe, your your biker uh, bad boy, your, yep. your cop, your waitress. Um. There's a yeah, all your standard characters. Some 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 kids. Um, yeah, they, and they all have, they all have peripheral. Yeah, they cannon have, fodder. They're like the cannon is, fodder. They all have other people that they yeah. know. They have friends and family that you know are all going to die. Yeah. yeah, it starts off with a, a pretty cool joke um, about buying some some condoms and the guy's an animal. And yeah, that's kind of that's kind of nice. I like that. Turns out, and his dad is the 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 the, the dates is girl. The the cheerleader babe's dad is the pharmacist who sold the condoms <laughs> <laughs> to the to the animal. That's kind um, of a yeah, nice. It was, it was that's a nice touch. Yeah. Yeah, and the um, pretty boy Jock turns out to be a, a, fa- a fairly decent, a fairly decent guy. So from the get go, this film takes your stereotype and kind of turns it on its ear a little bit. Um, you've got a you've got a um, a biker kid who presents as a bit of a rebel, but actually is is not an awful person. You know, you've got the um, he he turns up and they have a chat with his friend, the token black character. Yeah. Um, the mechanic. It's the eighties. So the mechanic. Yeah, token black character. Who's um, blue collar. Who? Spoiler alert: They don't kill. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. Yeah, and I think for, from the get go, this film um, sets up a whole bunch of stereotypes that you you come to appreciate from these films. So the the, the story plays out. So naturally, Blob comes to Earth and starts starts killing people, but it kills people in kind of unexpected order. So the so the um it kills. It kills a, 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 a homeless it kills guy, a kind of homeless guy first. But in 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 the period where it's attached to the homeless guy's hand, he gets he gets yep. it's teeny tiny. He, he comes yeah. across all of the jock, whose name is Paul, the cheerleader, whose name is Meg, and the biker, whose name is Brian. Um, and so they they become kind of embroiled in the story as as they take this guy to hospital, um, and then so that he gets he gets consumed by the blob, and then almost straight away the blob consumes Paul as well. That's right. Um, which is the the obvious hero character, which is a bit is, of a yeah. Because he the film definitely propositions him out front as being because he's the quarterback. He's he's the the all American kid, yeah, um, blonde, blue eyed, and they kill him, yeah, straight away. Um, so he's yeah. uh yeah, so he's he's done away with, and then. He's also he's also presented as virtuous. So yeah. um, his friend, um, I can't remember his name. Uh, he has a friend who's the scumbag, um, and you're in, and you get jumping ahead a little bit here. But he's presented as a scumbag, and he is a scumbag. Um, he, um, he, yeah, you would expect that character in a horror film to get killed off because yeah. he's not virtuous. That's right. Yeah, but they kill off Paul they straight don't, away. They don't yeah. drop any signifiers that Paul is going to die. They, so no, he's presented as that's the hero. a real that 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 comes as a genuine surprise when they kill Paul, where even they if do. even if straight away if he had done one nasty thing or something, and you th- you think they're going to set him up as a you're going to set up the triangle between Meg, Paul, and Brian, and then Paul's Paul's dead at about the at about the first turning point, about the thirty minute mark. Yeah, 
and he literally saves the cat so when presented with an opportunity to leave the homeless guy by the side of the road um, and just go well that was weird and carry on driving nope yeah, rescues car- him. yeah. puts him in the car and takes him to the doctor while, while and he has to drag Brian into the car to go to the hospital while on his yeah he's on his first day yeah with uh, with Shawnee Smith and so and the other thing that happens in the hospital is that Meg gets a glimpse that Brian is is not a, a, a purely bad guy he shows a moment of tenderness to the homeless man which is what which is what triggers Meg to seek him out later on because she witnesses Paul being consumed by the blob but naturally nobody believes her and so she's she's mm. kind of set up and sent up to her room and given a sedative um that's right but she she takes a kind of empowered empowered female approach um and jumps out the window and goes and seeks out brian because she has seen this glimmer of hope in in him and the way he the way he um showed showed kindness and caring for for the homeless man um and so they become the and they so they become the the focus they they become the protagonists from the point where they where they meet up which is about which is about a third uh, about 30 minutes 35 minutes through through the movie yeah and then um so to 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 keep the keep the um the self-aware nature of this film rolling you've got um so then a uh, friend of the podcast uh candy clark uh she was also in blue thunder um she is uh presented with the sheriff um i'm forgetting his herb name. um herb that's right and there it's established um played by jeffrey Deman. Um, it's established that they have a romantic connection so they set these other characters up um, and I, it's it, for me it looks like Herb's about to become the, the hero yeah. in the film nope well, he's, he's, they probably killed he's at least set up as having they an, probably killed he's set up as having an influence because he's so he's got a he's got a hothead young deputy so the first thing they do the first person they suspect in this murder of Paul is Brian the town bad boy so yep. they take they bring him in and um, the the hot-headed deputy is ready to rough him up, but Herb says, "No, let him go." So you get a sense that he is yeah. going to he is going to occupy a role. He's going to have a role in as a protagonist in this movie, as the voice of reason and as the person who brings in brings in the calm and the experience and the level head. Um, and 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 nope. then, and he's killed off as well. He's killed off about forty minutes in. Um, there's with a great practical effect. I might yeah, add, well, you don't yeah. Have, you don't you don't see him consumed. So there's a scene. The scene is at the diner, and the blob is coming in through the kitchen. So I guess that they're kind of taking opportunities uh, as as you do in this in this in the horror genre. You take the opportunities to kind of get people in everyday settings. So there's a there's a blocked yep. sink, and the the kitchen hand is reaching into the sink trying to unblock it, and then he's consumed, and then the the blob comes in to the diner and it terrorizes meg and brian and um fran who's the waitress and fran runs outside to use the phone she's in a phone booth and then the blob she's been set up as a character as well and so and then the blob well she's candy clark so she she was a she's virtually unknown now but she was of note in the 80s i suppose she was in a bunch of things so So yeah she's a she's a recognizable face so is is jeffrey demand yeah so they're both recognizable so the blob surrounds her in the pay in the payphone and then you see you get the effect of you see you see herb's face 
uh, his, dis- his dis- distorted face. Yeah. half digested face comes past her in the phone booth you still feel yeah. like she's going to get away though and then she's yeah and then it, it crushes the phone booth and she's dead um, but then you're also you have at the same time you have Brian and Meg hiding in the freezer they run into the freezer in the diner and then yep. you discover that the blob the blob doesn't want to go in the freezer so you just you figure out that it's the it's the cold that's the first sign that the first sign that the cold is the blob's weakness um and also you get a you get a moment of tenderness where brian gives meg his his biker his leather biker jacket because they're in oh they're yeah in a freezer in it, and coolest jacket and he and is wearing cold. a very cool shirt he, he oh <laughs> man that shirt is fabulous that shirt is gold it's beautiful um Oh, one thing. One thing we didn't mention is they, they, they. There's a nice setup at the start. With speaking of Brian, there's a nice setup at the start where he's he's out in the desert on his motorbike and he's he's got a he's got a jump that he's trying to he's trying to get the courage to jump this broken bridge on his motorbike, which comes which comes that's right. later on. Just speaking speaking of Brian and his cool biker biker look, because that's why his his yeah. clothes are all roughed up from the very beginning, from the very first scene. His clothes are uh, um, distressed because he's had he's come off his bike. Um, he's come off his bike failing to make this jump um yeah he's too cool to wear a helmet though because he'll mess up his head forget about that um (laughs) yeah so so by so by about midway through you are almost down to your core cast you're down to Brian and Meg every almost everyone else you've been introduced to um, mm. is is now deceased with uh, with, a, with a couple of exceptions. All of the main characters. So so, at, and at that point they introduce a they they introduce a new angle, which is um, Brian. So Brian and Meg go off to the woods to try and find. Um, there's a scene which is a bit of a dis, a bit of a distraction. You probably don't need it at all, except that it's it's kind of essential for a movie of this style where you have a a couple in a couple in a car couple of teens oh yeah the the the, well this is this is the scumbag and the erica yeah cameo so the guys boy Um, but i think that that exists purely to bump up the body count yeah so So the 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 boy's trying to get to the girl's pants and he's looking liquoring her up but she's not into it yeah falling asleep um and then they both get eaten by the blob um well it transpires later that she's being digested by the blob and when he puts his hand down her her what he assumes is yeah what he assumes is um unconscious and he puts his hand on her top he gets consumed by the blob uh so yeah so maybe it's maybe maybe that maybe the scene does have another purpose than body count it's a morality uh, it's <laughs> it a, morality a morality point well horror films are built on that idea yeah right? they are you know it's always the always the impure and the unvirtuous that get killed and it's usually the the virtuous pure character or the most virtuous and pure character of a group are the ones that survive um, yeah that's true but yeah this film both plays to convention and plays against it so yeah this, this it's, it's just nice it, it's a body count thing and also like you know uh, you're punishing you're punishing people who are who are unpure and unmoral um but at the same time it, yeah, the, it's, it's a fun the girl scene. dies as well in the car it's unfortunate <laughs> yeah, she's she's definitely casualty in this um but yeah, it normally, I, I guess in, in, a, in a traditional film, she would somehow survive. Yeah, she would get away. In, in a film, an earlier, yeah, she would yeah. get away. Because, I mean, she's a victim in that scene. Like, she's drunk, he's gotten her drunk, yeah. um, and now she is consumed by the blob um, along with her. There are, there are oh, well. two other characters that you, um, that do, that you do meet at the start who aren't dead by now is the two kids. So, um, yeah. 
it's Meg has a younger brother and he has a friend and they they say at the start they're going to sneak into a scary movie which comes back later on as well um mm. so yeah so yeah. so Brian and Meg go off into the woods and then they meet they run into they encounter this kind of containment team um yep who turn up in their white military in their white military biohazard yeah. suits and they they say that they are a, they are like a bio biohazard containment team um and that that you know everything's going to be all right and they've got the whole situation under control and um the, you know, Brian, well, and Brian, they, they try to present they try to present the blob as an alien entity to begin mm. with but then it transpires that it's not an alien yeah. entity so it's a it's a military experiment. Yeah, so Brian and Meg are told, you just have to come this way and everything will be all right. And Brian's not into that. He he gets in the car, but then he... Because he, he's, he's, he's got a... He, see, he says, he's, he's, I've got a thing against authority figures. Um, and so he just... He kind of just finds it... Finds the whole, Meg at this point is ready to... Is, is ready to yield and just go, okay, you guys can handle it from here. Brian is not. So he... he yeah, he doesn't have so a So they get, they get bundled into a car at gunpoint... Um, into a into a van um brian picks the lock and jumps out and meg is meg is at this point not up for it and she actually there's a nice line she says she's i think and i think this is lifted from star wars she says she says i guess you'll take care of yourself it's the only thing you're good at but he has a he has a nice comeback to that in this he says he says well no one else ever volunteered for the job which is which is pretty <laughs> it's pretty slick it's pretty slick writing i think I quite, it's quite it's quite endearing and quite sharp and i think it's about at this point we should probably point out that uh, one of the one of the credited writers on this film is uh, Frank Darabont, um, and he's he's responsible for the Shawshank Redemption and Green Mile. Um, he's also responsible for um, adapting The Walking Dead into a TV, at least a first season into a right. TV series. Uh, and he is a, a wildly wildly talented writer. Um, and so, yeah, it, it should come as no surprise that the writing in this this film is is above yeah. average for for the genre. Yeah because um, Frank Darabont was responsible for some of it so so um so Brian after so after he leaves the um the tr- the van he goes back for his bike and he he manages to spy on the scientists and discovers like you said Craig that the this this blob is man-made it is it is part of weapons research and the scientists are actually the bad guys and they are their only interest is in um capturing the blob for their research purpose and every person in the small town who is being rounded up uh, ostensibly for quarantine purposes is actually expendable um that's right so so you you, you swing into the third act from there because it, and it becomes about about um brian's uh competing against the against these evil scientists who are going to sacrifice the townspeople in order to capture the blob or some sort of some sort of element of the blob alive um meg meg goes off in a different direction she she escapes the scientists to go and find her her brother and his friend in the in the movie theater um well by this point the government's round starting to round up all of the townspeople and they're putting them into the church um and yeah there's some some people that haven't yet been rounded up and meg runs off to find them they're in a movie theater oh um one thing i didn't mention in the in the the, the plot the plot line about the scientists of it's the russians they're trying to stay ahead of the russians so there's a there's a, right. a callback to that i don't know if i assume that's in the 50s one as well which was naturally uh 
uh, yeah, a big thing. I guess it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a um, a, a modern. Um, it's, it's a, a more it's modern a take on trope. that. Yeah, that in the in the fifties it would have been, you know, it would have been the bomb or it would have been the Russians and themselves. Now it's the in the eighties mm. it's the American scientists trying to stay ahead of the Russians, but they are the ones who are actually endangering endangering the people that's right yeah i haven't actually seen the original uh, i wonder if if you because there's a lot of horror films from that time period which were definitely about the red scare yeah i mean uh, invasion of the body snatchers yeah. is thinly veiled co- anti-communist yeah, exactly. you know, uh, rhetoric good movie too invasion of the body snatchers um, yeah creeped the hell out of me as a kid um but yeah um they look they look just they look just like regular people yeah they do but they think they think like communists they think they like have communists. no souls yeah. <laughs> they want everyone to be the same <laughs> um <laughs> aged um, like milk so yeah, it, <laughs> yep <laughs> um uh, yeah probably uh i mean it's still the height of the i mean the the, the wall comes down what the year after this film comes yeah. out um so yeah or the the year after that so or possibly even the same year this film yep. comes out uh, comes out so, so yeah, probably the russians were a very convenient bad guy but interestingly rather than the russians being the bad guy it's the americans yeah, well the yeah and in, so. in their in their pursuit of superiority to the russians yeah so again it takes that expectation it takes that um it takes that stereotype and yeah. flips it. so there's a subversion it, there's every every chance yeah every chance this film gets to play to type or to flip something it flips it and and i appreciate that so meg speaking of that um, the next scene so Meg gets she's able to get both of the boys away from the movie theatre there's chaos in the movie theatre um, the blob is blob is consuming everybody in the theatre um, there's a nice I think it's worth talking about the film and within the film yeah, like the guy the, the killer with the hedge trimmer that, that, that's, that's pretty that's just funny. what I was going to say it's, it's, there's, a, there's a nice movie within a movie there so the boys want to go and see a horror movie there's a, there's a self-aware kind of element there with these and they're, they're, they're young boys they're like 10 um yeah, and they they're going to see the slasher movie uh, at the cinema that their parents have told them not to. But the the friend, Meg's brother's friend, has an older brother who is an usher who has let them in. Um, oh, and there's a there's yeah. a, a, a a douchebag sitting behind them. Who's obnoxious, obnoxious douchebag yeah, sitting behind yeah. them talking through the talking through the whole movie. So they narrating there's, it. There's yeah. a nice kind of uh, I mentioned Scream when we were talking about the Blair Witch Project. There's a nice kind of pre-Scream bit of of self-awareness uh with this whole the the movie within the movie piece and this is <laughs> the guy the the um the the baddie in the movie within the movie is a guy in a hockey mask <laughs> wielding a hedge trimmer <laughs> hedge trimmer and, the, and, the guy, and it's the middle of the night and there's a, and there's a couple making out um and and she has a line to the effect of like what's going you know he's going what's going on and, and i think she kind of just goes shut up and make out with me or something like oh, that there's, there's like a real he looks he looks up and he, that's so good now that i think of it he looks up and he goes it's not hockey season like not not it's the middle of the fucking night and it's my backyard <laughs> and then yeah he says i says maybe it's like like a peeping tom and she says oh well let's give him something to peep <laughs> This movie's great. I want to watch this other movie, the the, oh, yeah. the, the hockey mask hedge, hedge trimmer killer. That that's a great movie. That's so. But it, it 
I mean, at the same time, it's like clearly that's a riff on the, the sort of uh, Jason Voorhees. Yeah. With the or sorry, the Jason Voorhees. Yeah, is he the hockey mask? Yeah, no, yeah, I can't yeah, remember. Yeah. Um, the Halloween. Yes. Oh God, I should know this. Someone's probably screaming at the podcast right now. Go wrong yeah. movie, asshole. Um, but yeah, it, it's very self-aware of the tropes but it's, and, it, and, and the it genre. It walks a nice yeah. line. I like that little, the, the movie within the movie thing. You can go a bit too. You can go OTT with that pretty easily. But it's it's kind of yeah. it's it's not obvious at the time. But then you you look back and you think actually that's kind of that's kind of clever. I like the way they did that. Um, the other cool <laughs> thing I was gonna th- I was gonna throw to in the in the in the movie theater is the fact that they have a they have a scene in a movie theater. Uh, naturally and especially particularly in 1989, assuming that 90 percent of their audience will see this will be in the movie theater as they are consuming this yeah when they see it yeah which is um something that's uh, i remember watching the, my first thought was was that movie outbreak um with dustin hoffman and i think it's morgan freeman as well um which is about yep. a, a a chemical out an early a, kevin spacey appearance kevin as well. spacey in that. um so that's that's about it that's about a like a, a bacterial outbreak that they are trying to contain uh, um, and there's there's a scene in a movie theater and someone is coughing in the movie theater and you know that that person is is holding this virus or this bacteria mm-hmm. or whatever it is and so you know naturally they, they're targeting their audience there and is anybody anybody coughing in this movie theater as you're as you're watching this <laughs> uh i saw i saw outbreak in the cinema when it came out and i remember that i remember the scene you're talking about there's another one in a hospital where um they walk around and they figure out that the it's airborne because there's infected people they've got in a room uh, and yeah. come into this other room and under a vent yeah that's how they work out there's a airborne. nice there's, um, there's, there's a nice happen. shot where the camera goes up into the vent through the vent and it, it kind of twists and turns and then it goes down and, and it goes straight down onto Dustin Hoffman's face as he's That's looking right. up into it. Yeah, and, and then he, he looks up and, and says knowingly, it's airborne. Yeah. Um, it's um, a good movie, actually. But yeah, I, I, it's a good movie. Um, uh, yeah, it features um, Marcel. Uh, there's a good joke from Friends about Outbreak 2 and the monkeys and <laughs> Marcel... Yeah, he's in it as well. Yeah. It's got Jean-Claude Van Damme in it. It's hilarious. <laughs> I want to watch that movie. Outbreak 2 starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. Um, but uh, I, I was in the cinema when I saw that uh, outbreak. And I remember there were people coughing. And uh, I remember after that, people stopped coughing. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone became incredibly aware yeah. of how infectious things were. So yeah. So, so that's that's a nice move. So um, that that whole scene and the there's, there's a couple of nice things about that scene in the movie theater but she so meg is able to get these get these two boys away from the movie theater and they as as they escape from the blob they um they actually they go down into a sewer they've got nowhere else to go they they go they go into a sewer and the, the blob pursues them and in fact speaking of speaking of subverting um expectations the blob actually gets the boy the friend so not so meg's yeah, brother's friend and and she goes after him uh and and you think the moment she goes after him, well, the the fact that the blob gets a gets a kid, like a ten year old kid, kills a kid, um, and then she yeah. goes after him, and you think, okay, so the moment she goes after she That's goes her. after him, you think, okay, she's going to save him, she's going to get him back, but no, she she comes up, and she hasn't found him, and then the blob leaps out, and it's you see the kid being digested. Uh, uh, um, and that's a pretty bold that's a bold um, bold move yeah. to not only kill the kid but have her go after him uh, and, and not be able to save him yeah they kill yeah. the kid it's like one of those it's one of the unspoken rules of Hollywood right like you don't show like if if, a, if, if you've got two characters in the film and they're, they're both going to be brutally murdered 
um, the, the, the male you'll show getting shot in the head, but the woman won't get shot in the head, or you won't kill the kid in the horror yeah. film. Um, but no, they, they, they just like, I'm pretty sure if, if, if the blob were capable of shooting guns in this film, they would show you the blob shooting a female character yeah. in the head, and they would shy away yeah. from it. They, they would go there. Um, because I think the filmmaker, Chuck Russell, um, the director of this, he understood the genre well enough to go, I can do what everybody else has done for the past 20 years, or I can go, here's all the expectations, and I'm going to do the opposite of those expectations. The only thing he could have done better is if he had cast an African-American actor in the lead role, in one of the two mm. lead roles. And that's the only way like you could have subverted that even mm. better. But carrying on. Anyway, so the blobs in the sewer... So um, the- and it's about this yeah the last the, yeah, the last the, 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 the final act plays out um, and it's, it's really about the throw, uh, throwing, throwing right back to the start it's about getting this snow making truck to to the center of town so that they can blast it at the blob and freeze it which mm-hmm. which they managed to do the, the interesting thing about that is that um, Brian is the one who has the idea and retrieves the truck um, and gets it to gets it to the town, but then the blob is the blob comes back and is actually eating is attacking the truck, and it's up it's actually left to Meg. Brian is stuck inside, and the blob surrounded. And it's actually up to Meg to um, save the day. She leaps on top of the leaps on top of the the freezer tank and starts shooting the gun at the blob to try and get the blob to attack the tank, um, putting herself in harm's way. Um, uh, which which it duly does, but then she f- she falls just as, at the point where she needs to get away, and then Brian, with the blob distracted, he's able to get out of the cab of the truck and and rescue her. Her her foot is tangled in a in a cord, and he's able to get her away. Mm-hmm. The tank explodes. The blob is frozen. Um, oh, and you, you get this weird cut at the end, uh, a kind of epilogue where the the reverend earlier on the reverend has grabbed a few samples of this frozen of the blob in its frozen form it's kind of a crystal form he has grabbed a few of those and you get this weird cut uh, epilogue at the end where he's 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 preaching in some desert and um because he's been he's been burned half his face is half his face is burned as he's as he's trying to flee the blob and um he's he, he's still got these these crystals and they've melted so the blob is active again but it's kind of it's it's held in this jar and he is he is waiting he's kind of ready to unleash it and and um uh, and cause the end of the world when the t- when the time is right he's just waiting for a sign he's just waiting for that sign so what's um what would you do differently with the blob um i, well, I think i think for its time period 89 like I mean, the effects are great. I mean, it's probably the last one of the last films that would have been made in this way before CG would have been would have would have taken over the entire creation yeah. of the Blob. I mean, the effects are practical. Overall, the I mean, the, the films held up surprisingly well um, by today's standards. What would I do differently? Um, I would I would maybe recast um, the the lead character. Yes. Um, either. Yes, I think. Um, either Shawnee Smith or, or Kevin Dillon. Um, I would recast. I think Kevin Dillon is Kevin Dillon is way off. He he doesn't. Yeah, uh, he he's certainly not leading man, but that's probably part of the appeal of it as well. Like the leading man was the the Paul Taylor character, yeah. right? And and he set up that way. But yeah, I, I don't know how old Denzel Washington was at, at this stage, but you know, like a young Denzel yeah. would have been perfect in this. Film. He doesn't. He just doesn't um, particularly sell the the tough guy thing either. Really, he's he's no, a, he's he a pretty no, he... skinny, scrawny, pouty, 
um, pale dude. Again, very much against type. Very much not what a leading leading man in one of these films yeah. looks like at yeah. the time. So again, when they're casting it, they're casting. They really wanted someone that didn't fit the yeah. bill, and they cast someone that didn't fit the bill. So the only thing I'll do different is like if you're going to really play like they they clearly understood the again the genre the type of film they're making and what they're hoping to do different about it because I mean this isn't of itself a remake of a of a pretty pulpy film from the late Mm. 50s Um, so they they clearly were like we could just do an 80s remake of this and and we're done but I think this film's smarter than that Um, the only thing I would do differently is maybe maybe cast someone different in the Kevin Dillon yeah. role not that he doesn't do a bad job he, he, he does a, he does a fine job um, clearly not a star making turn for him because I mean Kevin Dillon is probably more famous for being a a, a, um, a character actor turning up in stuff like uh, what's that what's, uh, he's in Platoon mm. I know that he's in The Doors what's that TV show isn't he in that TV show uh, Entourage I haven't seen that, it but I think he's in Entourage is it him or yeah. Matt Dillon no. Oh no. No, that's no. It is. It is Kevin Dillon because part of the part of what he's playing on is that he's got a much more famous brother. Brother. Because he's the yeah. brother. He's he's the that's brother right. of the main. He plays the brother of the main actor in Entourage, but in real life yeah. he is an an actor with a much with a much more famous brother. Yeah, I'd get rid of that mullet. <laughs> um. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say looking looking back on this, I um, I appreciate it more now that we've talked about it. I'm I'm not that into horror as a genre in general, and um, I I wouldn't say oh, I wouldn't either. say I enjoyed it as I was watching it, but um, talking it through, I I can appreciate more of what was what was going on here and what was being done. It, it just all feels I don't I don't know I don't I don't bond to that kind of there's a creature and it's or or there's a psychopath and they're terrorizing people and and kind of killing them in ironic ways that reflect reflect their failures of morality you know that the kind of final destination um, thing that that took off uh, after after mm. scream and I don't I don't know what's the, what's the modern equivalent saw. Saw maybe they're a different kind of horror film again entirely, but yeah, um, Saw very much a case of um, here are people here are bad people who have made made bad life choices, and uh, they are trying to and they're being punished. For oh, just Saw. Now that I think Saw, I've I've never watched the Saw movie, but that's more about um, kind of the tension of them having a decision to make, right? And then yeah. Yeah, I've only seen a couple yeah. myself. I think the first one is a good example of a film that did well with as little as it had because it's effectively two people in a room yeah. trying to figure out why That's they're right. there. Like um, Cube. Yeah, like Cube. Cube's Cube another I really one. Like. Um, Cube is cool. Cube is cool. Yeah, I remember Cube. Uh, I saw that at a film fest in yeah. Auckland, uh, the International Film Fest or the Incredibly Strange Film yeah. Fest, I think. Certainly, as a genre, like that, this type of film is still being made. Obviously, this monster movies are plenty. Yeah. And I think there will always be a, a place for this kind of film. I mean, it's, it's pulpy cinema, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Gosh, uh, uh, Bird Box with Sandra Bullock on frickin' Netflix is, is this film, effectively. Um, but with Sandra right. Bullock, Academy Award-winning Sandra Bullock. So, uh, yeah, I think you're always going to get this. But I, I think this movie's smarter than it needed to be. It's I think it's the very definition of, of, of why we, we did yeah. this podcast. It's, it's a film that's 
better than it needed to be at a time it didn't need to be as good as it turned out and yeah i, I think it's good i think that's down to chuck russell the director and, and frank Darabont. did you probably more was it was it was it while was it while we've been recording or was it before that you talked about what their you know their pedigree the movies that they they also contributed to because i thought that was was quite interesting yeah so chuck russell well when we were talking about doing this because uh little behind the scenes mike and i suggested films each that we would do for the for the halloween podcast and mike picked um blair witch and i originally had picked uh nightmare on elm street three the the dream warriors um and then i watched that and um, i was looking into that and i realized i found out that frank darabont was one of the writers on nightmare on Elm street three and chuck russell yep. was the director and i was like oh yep. and then i went and had a look and they collaborated again for the blob and i yeah i went and watched the blob and i was like oh shit that's a, not as that's a better movie than i remember it being i, I saw it when it came out or I saw it on video shortly after it came out um yeah and i didn't think much of it i was quite young but now i watch and i, I really appreciate yeah. what they were what they were going with i think that's, and then what I think did, that's good chuck what russell did they go was, on to do so chuck russell he did um a bunch of things after this uh probably uh most famously he did uh, the mask with jim carrey um and then he went on to do um eraser with arnold schwarzenegger uh, and then uh, the Scorpion King with The Rock, hey. which, hey, which is the, <laughs> probably the first film to star The Rock as a leading, yeah, as a leading actor, um, and probably started his film career. I mean, I think he was in he was in The Mummy two a year earlier, which had the Scorpion yeah. King in it. Um, yeah. but he appears almost entirely as a as a CG creation and one of the worst CG creations in, in cinema history. Uh, but yeah, it's certainly the movie that established the rock as a, as a leading, as a leading Hollywood man. Gosh, I, I think I even saw that movie in the cinema and enjoyed it. Um, yeah, but yeah. And, but since then he hasn't really gone on to do a lot. He's, he's got two films. He's got a film coming out this year called juggly. And um, he, he did a film in 2016 called, I am Wrath, which which I haven't seen and or heard of, and looking at it here, it's got John Travolta in it, and it gets five point four stars. So, no wonder I haven't heard or seen it. Um, but yeah, Frank Darabont, he he goes on to do the Shawshank Redemption, and he goes on to do the Green Mile and adapt The Walking Dead as a as a TV series, amongst other things. Um, Damn. And yeah, Frank Darabont. Um, and he's clearly a um, he's clearly a, a Stephen King fan even at mm. this point because there are references to Stephen King in this film. Um, the the character name um, Rick is it Rick Kevin Dillon's character in this? Um, Brian Brian Flag Brian Flag uh, Flag is a is a frequent Spielberg uh, Spielberg uh, Stephen King uh, name. There's a reoccurring character in Stephen King really? books that yeah Flag. Um, so I mean I find it unlikely that that um that frank darabout wrote that without realizing the connection to stephen king oh it's and, yeah it's yeah. an unusual name flag especially with the double g yeah flag so all right yeah. should we should we should we call this then what are we what are we making a call on both of these uh yeah okay i'll, I'll make what a should call we do on both of these. so we'll go blair witch blair witch yeah what do you reckon i think i think you gotta you gotta respect it for what it did i think it's i think it's verging on greatness it achieves everything it's trying to achieve i will agree with you that as a film in history it is verging on greatness because it it did start something that has yet to finish and it it did something with what it had that very few films have managed to do before or since so 
from a from an accomplishment point of view yes it's verging on greatness <laughs> from a from a making me watch it again point of view wallowing in mediocrity <laughs> I was, I was, yeah. I'm not gonna rush. I'm not gonna rush to watch it again. Um, I was ready to say, I was ready to say the blob was was wallowing in mediocrity uh, coming into this. But having t- having talked about it and uh, thought about it some more, I think I'm I think I'm ready to say that's verging as well. Yeah, I think that's a I think it's a solid solid movie that doesn't get the credit it deserves. I think it's I think it's a good movie. I think it's underrated. All right. All right. Okay. There you so go. That's Happy a, Halloween, that, that, folks. That's a yeah. That's a Halloween double feature. Happy Halloween. Uh, safe uh, trick or treating, or in, in celebrating uh, Halloween and whatever your fashion, whatever um, capacity we you will, choose. We will see you next time. Yeah. So hey, All like right. and subscribe. Um, we're on Twitter. <laughs> we're uh, at Verging on Greatness on Twitter. Uh, you can uh, you can listen to this wherever you like to get your podcasts. I think we're on. Uh, apple and we're on spotify and also soundcloud um so always check yeah give out. us give yeah. us some horror films yeah if you got a, if you got a horror, films. horror yeah. film you think is verging on greatness it's it's a genre i don't know much about and i'd be happy to i'd be happy to delve into it a little more if you got some suggestions yeah yeah let mike know what you like to watch folks because mike needs to watch more horror films give him some good ones particularly if they've got characters called mike in yeah i think i think we should more, almost do a podcast about films that star main characters called mike i don't think that'll be that hard yeah. uh bonus yeah, round I, I th- if you get a craig and mike in a film that might be a bonus <laughs> round film yeah do a podcast on that if someone can recommend a film that has both uh leading characters that have the names craig and mike we'll definitely do a podcast on that good or bad good google that shit we need to google we need that to find shit it. Yeah. all right all right okay bye everyone thanks for listening thanks mike bye. see you next time <laughs>